we're going through the book of Jonah. Now I'm going to be reading chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. That's Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Michael Vanderhorst is a successful manager with a large store chain in the Midwest. But Michael had not always known success. Just 12 years before, he was released from a 10-year prison term. He and his partner in crime, Will, they both spent time in prison. And if Michael wanted a reduced sentence, well, you know the story, he had to tell on Will. Michael told the police everything for a lesser charge and only two years into the prison term, he ran into Will at the courtyard. Many things went through his mind, and he thought to himself, one of us won't come out of this alive. But he was surprised that Will asked Michael to forgive him. Will had received Christ, and this simple act of forgiveness changed the course of Michael's life. Michael still remembers when he was surprised by the grace from someone who had every reason to hate him. To Michael, a second chance is freedom. It was hope. And if you could tell, and if Jonah could tell his testimony, he probably would say the same thing. He might say he was surprised by the grace flowing from the God of heaven and earth who gave him a clear command, and he disobeyed it. This God had every reason to hate him, but he was merciful to Jonah. He gave Jonah a second chance. Thus the title of the message this morning, A Second Chance. So let us turn to the book of Jonah, chapter 3. And I'm reading verse 1, I'm reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. 
Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Lord, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And what we are not, make us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have been going through the book of Jonah for some time. Just two reminders. And that is that Jonah is part of the minor prophets. And there are 12 of them. Jonah is number five in the Hebrew order. That becomes significant later on in the message. But also, Jonah is probably the easiest minor prophet to follow because it is a narrative. It just tells a story. And any three-year-old can follow a story. And so this is what makes Jonah a great book in the canon. But let us not be misled that just because it is a story that can be easily understood, there may not be universal themes pressing upon our heart. That's not true. Do you remember... Or do you know what it's like to blow it? Do, 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 when you were given a clear charge and you failed to complete it, can you think back to a time where you knew, oh boy, I messed up? If you can get that in your mind, then you have the picture of Jonah. You have the picture of where Jonah is right now in the story. That one chance to do it right and you missed it. The feeling of shame and guilt. That feeling of being disappointed in yourself. That is a defeating feeling. This morning we will take a look or a closer look at Jonah in particular and the second chances that God provides in life, in the life of his people in general. The emphasis of what we read was that God gave Jonah a second chance. But we need to be careful to properly understand second chances lest we err on the side of presumption. So there are three things no surprise to you, three things, that we'll look at. First of all, second chances are a gift from God. We should not presume. Secondly, second chances are reflections of God's patience. And lastly, second chances are perfect opportunities for forgiveness. Let's take a look at the second chances that are a gift from God. We should not presume upon the grace of God. When I was younger and part of another church tradition, there used to be a saying we would say to each other to encourage one another. 
Actually, there are many songs that say this. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Now, we have to be careful about that little saying. Just because God gave Jonah a second chance doesn't mean he promises to give anyone and everyone a second chance. In order to make the phrase more biblical, we should say, since he did it for me, he has the ability to do it for you. There's no promise here. We have plenty of examples in the Bible who did not get a second chance. One of the greatest examples of someone who did not get a second chance in the Bible is someone that the Jews revered. Someone they almost worshipped. And that was Moses. When Moses was told to speak to the rock, he hit the rock with the stick, and he was not allowed to go into the promised land. No second chance for Moses. Uzzah. Some translations call him Uzziah. But Uzzah, he's walking, gently walking with the crowd. He's celebrating having a great time, I, I imagine. The ark of God was far from Israel for many, many years. They had just gotten it back, and they were marching, and David was in front, and they were dancing and shouting. And the ark of the Lord tipped, and Uzzah, oh, tried to hold it, and he died instantly. No second chance, fools. And in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, they did not get a second chance. Oh, some may say Peter was trying to give them a second chance when he said, is this what really happened? Oh, yes, this is exactly what happened. No second chance. They were struck down immediately. So, let's not presume on the goodness of the Lord. No day is promised to no one. Judgment is coming. There will be a day of reckoning. God will return to judge sinners, and the only escape is the application of Christ's sacrifice to your and my account. Today, if you hear his voice, do not hearken, do not harden your heart, Psalm 95 says. Repent and believe in Christ, for today is the day of salvation. But there are many. The second chances is a gift from God and we shall not presume, but second chances are also a reflection of God's grace. Now, there are other people in Scripture that did receive a second chance. The Apostle Peter received a second chance. In Matthew 26, 34, Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Jesus didn't just say this out of the blue. But he said this in response to Peter's declaration, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Well, Peter, you should have left that part out. He also said, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. Hmm. Now, why would you say that, Peter? Jesus told him that very night he would deny him. And most of you know the story. Peter denied him three times. 
Then in Matthew 26, 75, it states, And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Why did he weep so bitterly? We read the scriptures sometimes too quickly. We forget that Peter was a man like we are. Mankind, men and women, like we are. He was a human being. The book of Luke says, and immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord looked at Peter. What did that look communicate? Was it a look of disappointment? Was it a look of, I feel sad for you, Peter? Or was it a look of, Peter, I know your heart better than you do? Whatever the look was, it caused Peter to whip bitterly. Now, I grew up in a generation at times where sometimes your parent didn't have to physically discipline you. They would just give you a look. And sometimes they would give you a look. And sometimes the look could be, wait till we get home. And sometimes the look could be, I had more faith in you than that. And for you, I don't know about you, but the second look would cause me more tears than the first. Because the physical punishment is over in about a half an hour. Well, you know, you know what I mean. But the look of disappointment, that lasts a long time. Yes, a long time. But Jesus came back to Peter and gave him the gift of a second chance. He said, Peter, feed my sheep. And Peter failed. He said, Peter, failed, feed my sheep. Not once, but three times. There was a second time around for the Apostle Paul as well. God was patient with Paul and patient with Peter. But this morning, we are going to explore God's patience with Jonah. Verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. In the original language, the opening of chapter 3 is the same as the opening of chapter 1. Turn back in your Bibles and you'll see it. The same exact thing he told Jonah in chapter 1, he repeats in chapter 3. In the original language, the opening of chapter 3 is the same as chapter 1. The same seven words appear in the original. There are very few times in life when we will get the exact same situation. Even Peter, when he received his second chance, did not get the exact same chance. Peter did not find himself in the courtyard again with the same opportunity to identify with Christ. The Apostle Paul did not get an opportunity to stop the stoning of another believer because he failed to stop the stoning of Stephen. But Jonah was in the same circumstance and received the same call. Again, if we resist the call from the Lord, there's no promise or guarantee that it would come again the exact same way it did the first time. But in Jonah's case, it did. 
It was almost the same situation. The only difference between Jonah's first call and second call are the five extra words in chapter 3 that does not appear in chapter 1. The message that I tell you. Now, if you're paying close attention and you're being like those Berean Christians, you'll say, wait a minute, Brian, that's six words. Well, there's only five in the original language. The number five is a symbol of God's grace. We talked about this in the message number one, where there are all these clues that God it wasn't, was not going to necessarily destroy Nineveh, but be gracious to them. Remember, Jonah's name means dove, and dove in the Hebrew sense means salvation. Five, the number five in Hebrew means saved, salvation. Jonah's number of books was five. So when you're reading this as a Jewish believer, you know you kind of know what God is going to do. God displayed his patience toward Jonah. He was gracious toward him. But this is another indication that God was going to be gracious to the Ninevites. And we know from chapter 1 and 2 that this was not the message that Jonah wanted to proclaim to his enemies. But regardless of his personal feelings and ideas, he was told to proclaim the message that I tell you. And that is the charge of every gospel minister. We don't have the commission nor permission to wax eloquently about the issues of the world or the issues of the day. I have opinions. Pastor David has opinions. We have political opinions and economic opinions and social opinions. But you can turn on the news and get somebody smarter than me. But you can't always turn on the news and hear, thus saith the Lord. This is what a minister's job is. To proclaim what God wants his people to hear. We have a message to warn every man that judgment is coming. The same message that Jesus preached to the first century Jews is the same that Jonah preached, is the same that I should be preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And John the Baptist's message, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. A minister is commissioned to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We are dead in our sins, and if we die in that state, we will spend eternity in hell. But there is one who can relieve us of our sins if we would just repent and turn to Christ. He will give us forgiveness of sins. Jonah had a second chance, but what did he do with the second chance? Jonah obeyed God. It is God's will that we live obediently, and if we are disobedient, God will patiently bring us to the place of obedience. If he did it for Jonah, he is able to do it for you. Verse 3, now Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. He preached to that big metropolitan and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. There were many signs that led Jonah to believe that God would be gracious to the Ninevites. And verse 5 states, and the people of Nineveh believed God. 
It wasn't just a mental consent, but they bore fruit in keeping with repentance. Second Corinthians is the book that we are going through as a congregation when I'm not up here. 2 Corinthians 13.5 states, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail to meet the test. Jesus said, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. That was the generation that he was in. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here, Luke eleven thirty two. We have to examine ourselves. Do you delight in doing his will? Does your fruit match your testimony? If you can't say that it does, just know that someone greater than Jonah, who holds the keys of death in Hades, is here to receive you with open arms. Verse 6 says, the words of Jonah reached the king of Nineveh. You may think to yourself, a whole nation? Think about America for a minute. Everyone in America repenting and seeking the Lord? Hmm, that would be a strange thing. I don't know if I could imagine that. But remember, this is a monarch. This is a king. And what a king says is what you do. This is not a president. You may think, you know what, I don't like the shirt that the king was wearing today. That might get your head cut off. This is what we're talking about, a monarch. And so how did the whole nation repent? Well, Jonah tells us it was that the king repented and said, this is what we're going to do as a nation. When this happened, he repented and issued a proclamation and declared a national fast. For the king said, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger. Now you may ask, why is God angry? Edward Payson was a congregational preacher in Maine in the early 19th century. He answered the question of why God is angry. God is angry to see rational, immortal, and accountable beings spending 20, 430, 40, or 60 years in trifling and sin, serving divers' idols, lust, and vanities, and living as if death, death were an eternal sleep. He is angry to see you laying up treasures on earth and not in heaven. He is angry to see that you disregard alike his threatenings and his promises, his judgments and his mercies. God sent warnings to Nineveh from the mouth of Jonah and they responded. Sinner, have you disregarded his threatenings and judgments? Have you spurned his promises and mercies? Then today you must repent. Because tomorrow is not promised. Saint, have you come before him and his people and worship him with your lips while your thoughts are perhaps wandering to the ends of the earth? Are you thinking about lunch? Are you thinking about that job assignment on Monday?
I tell you, you might not make Monday. Today might be the day you're called home. So don't waste time thinking about tomorrow. Today has its own worries. Today is the day of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Repent. Saint. Christian. Have you been trusting in your own wisdom and strength and righteousness for salvation instead of placing your dependence upon Christ? The only name by which anyone can possibly be saved. Then repent today and turn from those things and turn to Christ. God gives us six days to work. He gives us one to ponder him, to worship him, to fellowship with other believers. Let's not waste it. This might be our last one. Verse 9 says, the last phrase of verse 9 is repeated in this book. Let's take a look at verse 9. It says, who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. So that we may not perish is the phrase that is repeated. This is the same phrase the captain of the ship of Tarshish said in Jonah 1.6. Perhaps the God, small g, he's talking, will give us thought to us that we may not perish. The world has a may and a perhaps, but those who know God are familiar with his word has something better than a may or perhaps. We have a precious promise. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For every man's may is God's will. We may have, we have many promises from God's word. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we look closely at this chapter, we see God's second chance. And second chances are a gift from God we should not presume. Second chances are reflections of God's patience. And lastly, second chances are perfect opportunities for forgiveness. Jonah got a second chance and was able to experience God's forgiveness. The king of Nineveh and his nation received a second chance and was able to experience God's mercy. Oh, yes, I know. Some people say, oh, that, that wasn't real repentance. <clears throat> they turned years later. But they experienced still God's mercy. The king of Nineveh and his nation had that experience. And we too have received the gift of second chances and many of us have experienced a sweet balm of forgiveness. But what are we doing about it? Jonah was so thankful for his second chance that he responded by obeying the call of the Lord. Have you reflected on the Lord's grace in your life today, lately? If you do, you might be energized to thank God and answer his call. The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. The apostle Paul implores us on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
we ought to bring this good news to others and to live this good news in this vessel of clay. We have the message of forgiveness. We must live it and we must share it. A second chance. Who do you need to give a second chance to this morning? You say, how did you get that from that? Because it's usually in the second chances that we experience forgiveness. We must live this message. Who do you need to be patient with so that they can experience forgiveness? Oh, we should think to ourselves, we make mistakes. So let's be patient with those who make mistakes. If God was patient with Jonah, certainly you can be patient with fill in the blank, that person. If God was patient with Nineveh, certainly you can be merciful to them, whoever they are. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. From Jonah's life, we discovered that second chances are a gift from God. We should not be presumptuous. These second chances are gifts from God. It is not anything we've earned or deserve. We have been ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Even more, his praises we should sing. Second chances are reflections of God's patience. God's patience with Jonah. And, we will be, and he will be patient with us. Definitely, not in the same way, but in the same degree. His mercy is limitless and grace endures forever. And lastly, second chances are perfect opportunities for God's forgiveness. When we read the last chapter, the last verse of chapter 3, when God saw what they did, when they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Turn. Turn. Repent. But no day is promised. Let's pray. Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light and accessible, hid from our eyes. Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. Our Heavenly Father, you are incomprehensible, but prayer here in God, known but beyond knowledge, revealed but unrevealed. Our wants and welfare draw us to you. O God, attend us in every part of our arduous and trying pilgrimage. We need the same counsel, defense, comfort we found at our beginning. Let our faith be more obvious to our conscience, more perceptible to those around us. Jesus, while you are representing us in heaven, may we reflect you on earth. While you plead my cause, may we show forth your praise. You have led us on and we have found thy promise true. We have blundered but you have given us second chances. We have been sorrowful, but you have been our help. 
Fearful, but you have delivered us. Despairing, but you have lifted us up. Your words of assurance are ever before us, and we praise you, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.